0: Welcome to Tales from Avistrom, Titans Vengeance. Episode 3 After their last mission, which had gone badly in spectacular fashion, Shadow Wiseacre called a meeting of the Titans in her office to discuss E.J. Bumble and Jasper Glass's actions. The various Titans congregated around the office, Calubre House Prefect Miles Hart and Jasper were leaning against Shadow's Charms bookcase. Gwend Grants and Head Girl Ellie Bumble were by the fire discussing the recent exploits of a certain celebrity witch, while Cristal Coles sat in an armchair reading a small tome entitled Basher's Bruise. Storm Scovesguard was leaning on Shadow's desk near Jolene Latrova. Shadow sat on the edge of her desk, obviously furious. E.J. was sitting in the corner, wrapped in bandages and looking rather sickly. Shadow cleared her throat, and all the conversation died down, until an uncomfortable silence filled the room.
1: Well, E.J., you must be happy with yourself. You finally got Shadow's attention.
0: Shadow stared daggers at Ellie. Storm spoke without looking up from the
1: floor.
2: Ellie... Not the time. We're here for a serious conversation.
1: Storm is correct. You two made a very rash decision that could have and did end up poorly. And honestly,
3: I understand why you snuck off. We've all been there. I get it. However...
4: However nothing. You're graduated. You're a Dark Hunter. You get to do these things now. Yeah, you've had some times where you felt like you weren't being allowed to do stuff, but this is Clark we're talking about.
3: Excuse me? Jasper, I am trying to be patient here. I have barely been graduated a year. And I have been right with you on the sidelines countless of times over the years. So don't you dare act like suddenly I don't understand.
4: Yeah, and what are you doing now that you're graduated? Have you even gone on one mission to try and find him?
3: Jasper, I advise you bite your tongue before you say something you'll regret. Many of us have been working countless hours with little to no sleep on the brain-melting stuff that no one else wants to do, but is necessary. I would think that you, out of everyone, would know that sometimes the most important work isn't on the front
4: lines. You're right, you are. But this time, it's different. It's the first time that you are allowed and encouraged to participate, and I am not. But never mind that, this time, it's about Clark. It's personal, and I think that you, out of everyone, would understand that. You're right, sometimes the most important work is behind the scenes, but that's not me, not the work I do.
3: Avastrom is home to both of us. Everything that happens in this school has always been personal. You're not listening to what I'm actually trying to say to you. And I won't keep going round and round in an unproductive argument. So I'll give you time to think about what I've said here. And if you want to talk about it after you've had the time to take in what I've actually been trying to say to you, great. If not, then you're not the friend I thought you were anyway.
0: Jasper's face fell for a moment. Jolene's comment had clearly stung But his expression quickly hardened, and he turned away. Miles looked between the two friends several times.
4: Oh damn, she put you in timeout, Jazz. That's not good.
3: Well, he kind of deserves it now, doesn't he? Yes, he does. EJ got hurt. You both could have gotten someone else hurt. And? Everyone has gotten hurt at one time or another during these missions. We knew it was a risk, and we were comfortable taking it. Same as the rest. Being a graduate doesn't make you immune to injury, Shadow.
1: Oh, did you not hear about the awesome instant healing potion you get for graduation, EJ? The only risk there is growing a second head.
0: Christala pursed her lips at Ellie and shook her head, clearly disapproving of her joke. Ellie smirked anyway. Silence filled the room once again, until Miles spoke.
4: Look. I think what these two did was irresponsible and reckless, but at the end of the day, I feel like you guys are being too harsh. They wanted to help. Boudreaux wouldn't let them. They did it anyway. Isn't that kind of how the Titans started?
1: Even if that were the case, there are better ways, more careful ways, that situations like this could be handled.
4: We tried the careful way.
3: We were shut down.
0: Gwen looked up from examining EJ's injuries.
3: Well, I wanted to go as well. But I understand that I'm just a student and decided that being stupid about it probably wasn't the best option.
4: All due respect, Gwen, but you don't have the relationship we do with Clark. You don't have as much to lose as we do.
1: All due respect, head bro. But Gwen has a valid point. You and EJ aren't really showing the maturity of your respective titles. What respective titles?
3: Oh, wait, you're right. My Student of the Year award is really on the ropes right now, isn't it? Your sisterly support is truly outstanding right now, Ellie.
1: You are a prefect, EJ. The other students look up to you. That title carries a lot of weight.
4: No, it doesn't, Cristalla. The title means nothing if we don't have the character to back it up. Not prefect, not head boy or head girl, and certainly not professor. The title doesn't make us important. We give importance to the titles.
3: If the title means so little to you both, we can easily have them taken away. Go right ahead. It's not like I'm losing much. We practically begged Professor Boudreau to expel us. Wouldn't be the first time you threatened me and didn't go through with it, Shadow.
0: Shadow's eyes flashed, her shoulders squared, and she stood up from the edge of her desk to face EJ directly.
3: There are other titles I can easily strip away from you, EJ. If they mean so little to you.
0: Across the room, Ellie nudged Miles.
1: Oh, she means the boyfriend title.
4: From the looks of it, she might mean the living title.
0: EJ opened his mouth to speak, but Shadow cut him off.
3: Enough! You're done!
0: EJ set his jaw and looked out the window. Noticing Storm's silence and the way he stood closed off from everyone in the room, Jolene looked to Shadow. A silent conversation passed between the two, and Shadow nodded in understanding.
3: I think we should put suspension of E.J. and Jasper from the Titans to a vote. I vote yes.
4: I don't think they deserve that. No.
1: They deserve our punishment, but I do not believe this is the proper manner. I vote no. As a citizen of Great Britain, I can't really vote here. Ellie
0: smiled awkwardly at the silent stares before clearing her throat to continue.
1: But in all seriousness, I, I can't be a part of this vote. I opt out. I
3: also vote yes. Which brings us to a tie. Storm, you're the tiebreaker.
2: I... I can't. This is your call.
0: Storm immediately turned and left the office, closing the door roughly behind him.
3: Well, I guess it's your call then, Shadow. Fine, it's settled. You are both hereby suspended from active duty with the Titans. I'll inform Professor Boudreaux. Now get out of my office. Jasper, we will talk later. And EJ, we aren't finished here. The Titans
0: left Shadow's office and went their separate ways. Jolene immediately ran after Storm, finally catching up to him at the greenhouse, where he was petting the honking daffodil. Although he didn't speak, Storm's smile conveyed to Jolene that she was welcome. They walked the grounds together in silence, around the pagoda in Kobayashi's garden, watching the cherry blossoms fall for a bit before Jolene decided to finally break the ice.
3: Look, I know no matter what I say, you're still going to go after Clark, but...
2: No.
0: Storm cut Jolene off before she could finish her sentence.
2: I don't get the feeling Clark wants to be found. (sighs) Clark tells me not to do something. I do it. Ellie tells me not to do something. I do it. So many of the people I care about advise me not to do something dumb, yourself included, and I do it not only hurt myself, but all of you, by running into dangerous situations that I could have easily avoided if I had heeded the warnings of loved ones. I finally got to witness being on the other side of that during this last mission.
3: (laughs) You really have done a lot of dumb things, haven't you?
0: She gave a light chuckle as Storm smiled and looked down at the grass. Jolene watched his face change, clearly working through something in his mind as they walked. Finally, he looked up and stared straight
3: ahead. You know that E.J. getting hurt wasn't your fault, right?
2: Except it was.
3: I know I wasn't there, but it sounds like everything happened so very fast. You can't fault yourself for not having the perfect reaction time in a situation like that.
2: It's not just that. Storm
0: stopped walking and let out a soft sigh.
2: As the leader of the Titans, I understand that everyone looks up to me. And they see the risks I've taken in the past and see it as being brave. What they don't see is I'm just the face. I was never meant to be a leader. Not like this, anyway. Storm.
0: Jolene grabbed Storm's hands and squeezed them gingerly.
3: You can't blame yourself for the actions of others. And I know keeping yourself from going on missions to find the Headmaster isn't easy.
0: She gave him a warm, soft smile.
3: But I know he'd be proud of you. I'm proud of you.
0: Storm smiled back. Though it looked sad, and gently squeezed her hands in return.
2: Thank you. That means a lot. That being said, I... I don't think I can be here right now. What do you mean? This decision is... difficult. But being here right now, it's just too much.
3: Where do you plan to go?
2: I think I'll reach out to Professor Desirant. Maybe assist during Craven's absence and work in the garden with her.
3: I think that's a great idea. And would be very good for you. And if you need anything, I'm here. Always.
0: They wrapped one another in a warm embrace, not speaking for several moments. Then Storm released her, and went to pack. Meanwhile, Ellie Bumble made her way towards the Lobostro common room. She paused just long enough at the kitchens to grab a pumpkin pasty, the only decent one she'd had since leaving England, before finally reaching the portrait entrance to the common room. She was lost in thought and barely registered the Iroquois woman in the portrait asking for a password.
1: What? Oh, uh, boobatuba, yeah.
0: The woman in the painting inclined her head in a slight bow, and the picture frame swung open to reveal a comfortable room bedecked in overstuffed cushions of gold and black. As soon as the portrait swung shut, Ellie stopped dead in her tracks, frozen. She couldn't move if she tried. She felt her consciousness get sucked into her mind's eye. She saw the sight of Kronos and Clark's face swirling around in a bluish fog. She saw the faces of several people whom she had never met, and a shard of metal that looked as though it had been broken off of something larger. She saw herself and many of her friends with differing expressions of glee, sadness, anger, and surprise. Then, as suddenly as it started, it stopped, and she was able to move again.
1: Oh. My. Merlin. I I need to sit down.
0: She promptly sunk into an overstuffed armchair, still trying to get her bearings while attempting, somewhat unsuccessfully, to regulate her breathing.
1: That was awesome. I had a vision. I can't believe this. Okay, Ellie, you need to think about this. Okay, so there was Clark, the scythe, the blue fog, my friends, the strangers. The shod? Uh, I'm already beginning to forget.
0: Ellie fumbled for her wand. Finally finding it tucked into her sock, she pressed it to her temple. Concentrating, she pulled it away slowly. A silvery white strand extended between her head and the tip of the wand. As it broke free, she pulled a small glass vial from her belt pouch and dropped the memory into it. She swirled it around and popped the cork in the vial
1: need to figure this out. It just doesn't make any sense. I I don't think I can do this on my own. I need some help.
0: Suddenly, she had a revelation.
1: Professor Bloodthorn, he could help. But he went back to town this morning. I could go, but that could be bad. Craven is scary, and I could get in trouble. But this is important. I have to do it. And besides, he'll probably be excited that I'm getting stronger, and that this might be a clue. This is so cool.
0: Ellie ran up to her dormitory and packed a few things in a small leather shoulder bag. She didn't know how long she'd be gone. She grabbed a pinch of powder from a pot next to her private fireplace, one of the perks of being Head Girl, and threw it into the fire. As it turned bright green, she stepped into the fire, called out... "Timonac," ...and disappeared. Craven Bloodthorn was sitting in his office, looking at a piece of parchment with hastily scribbled words on it. His eyes darted back and forth as he read the words over and over again, as if attempting to commit them to memory. His gaze was only broken by a green flame in his fireplace and the figure of Ellie Bumble stepping out of it.
1: Where am I?
0: She looked over the heavy mahogany desk to see Craven rising slowly from his chair and pulling his gloves tighter on his fingers.
1: Oh, headmaster's office. Ace's.
5: Miss Bumble, to what do I owe this extremely unorthodox and improper visit?
0: Staring at the stern headmaster bloodthorn's imposing visage, Ellie's voice caught in her throat. Her resolve vanished. She was suddenly regretting coming. Maybe she hadn't had a vision. Maybe it was just her thoughts that had coalesced into a picture in her mind. But that didn't explain the physical things she thought. It didn't explain why she had gone rigid and couldn't move. She didn't do that normally. Of course, who does? Madness.
5: Miss Bumble, since you're here, perhaps you could include me in the conversation you're having in your head.
0: Ellie looked up at Craven with wide eyes. A small smile crept across her face.
1: Sorry... I was suddenly wondering if I shouldn't have come.
5: Let's start with what you did.
1: I I think I had a vision.
0: Craven stared at Ellie unblinkingly for what seemed to her like three years. He slowly drew in a breath and sat back down at his desk, opening his hand to the chair opposite him, inviting her to take it, which she did.
5: Please, continue.
1: It was strange, most mental thing that's happened in a while. There I was, rooted to the ground, couldn't move if I tried. I I started to forget what I saw, though, so...
0: She took out the vial with the silvery memory contained within.
1: I decided to pull it before I did.
5: Give it to me.
0: Ellie handed the vial to Craven as he pulled a small silver ball from his pocket, no bigger than a snitch, and shook loose the ribbons tied around it. With one hand, he flicked open the cover of the ball to reveal a small bowl built into it. With the thumb of his other hand, he popped the cork out of the vial and
5: poured it into the silver bowl.
1: What are you doing? What on earth is that?
5: Pocket pensieve. Never know when you'll need to see a memory.
1: I've never seen anything like it.
5: I should hope not. I invented it.
0: Craven gave a slight, wry smile to Ellie as he slowly dipped his head towards the bowl and covered his left eye with it. He then tied the bowl around his head with the ribbons like an eye patch and lifted his head to look at a wide-eyed Ellie.
1: You look like a cross between a vampire and Mad-Eye Moody.
0: Though she could only see one eye now, Ellie could tell from the look it gave her that her joke was not well received. Sorry. Craven closed his right eye and went silent. After what seemed to Ellie like another three years worth of silence, he began to speak.
5: Interesting. It's almost as if she saw the emotion. What? Yes, that, that has to be it. This is the emotion. The other was the logic.
1: Headmaster? Say again?
5: I've never seen it split between two receivers before, but it's certainly possible, of course.
1: Headmaster Bloodthorn, since I'm here, perhaps you could include me in the conversation you're having with yourself.
0: Craven's eyes shot open as he glared at Ellie, who was smiling quite broadly now, obviously pleased with herself.
5: Well played. Ah, thank you. While you're gloating, read that parchment in front of you.
0: Ellie picked up the piece of parchment on his desk, the same one she'd seen him reading when she arrived.
1: A white field, like a blank sheet of paper, flashes of words in black, come into view for no more than a few seconds apiece, like a motion picture skipping frames. Lost. Time. Broken. Friends. Family. Love. The last word comes in bold red and stays through the end. Help.
0: Stunned. She looked up at Craven, who had removed the device from his eye and was looking at her solemnly.
5: I had this vision no more than twenty minutes before you came to see me. I was trying to decipher what it meant when you arrived, and now I think I understand.
1: I get it now. You saw the logic, I I saw the emotion. They're both about Headmaster Dowling.
5: We need to send for Polonius. Clark needs our help.
0: The narrator is played by Stephanie Prue.
1: Ellie Bumble is played by J.D. Rose.
2: Storm Scovesguard played by Stormy Cohn.
3: Kristala Coles is played by Krista Colasar. Jolene Latrova is played by Jolene Frescus.
4: Jasper Glass is played by Jesse Davis. Miles Hart is played by Zainal Mustafa.
3: Gwendolyn Grants is played by Sarah Jenkins. Shadow Weiziger is played by Haley Munoz EJ Bumble is played by Lainey Flanagan
5: Raven Bloodthorn is played by Joshua Thomas Join us next time for episode 4 of Tales from Avistrom Titan's
2: Vengeance
5: For more info please visit our website at www.avistrom.org visit our Facebook page or search for Avistrom on Twitter and Instagram Until next time, stand tall and raise your wands high.